and Soul Podcast. I'm grateful you are tuning in today. I'm Shauna Hall, a self-love and mindset coach, teaching you how to align your life through mindset shifts, spirituality, and manifestation. Each week, I'll be giving you tips designed to help you create a passionate, purposeful, high-vibe reality that you love. If you're ready to align your glow, you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is so fun. I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Heather Paulson, who is a retired naturopathic physician who used to practice in the U.S. for 15 years. She moved to Peru and created a retreat center in Peru to facilitate ayahuasca ceremony. And so we dive in all about ayahuasca, the benefits of ayahuasca, how her particular company operates, and it's very, very unique and very different. And I love her perspective just because she is a previous physician. So she goes at it with a different mindset and she does a great job of creating a very safe space for individuals who want to participate and really does a great due diligence in ensuring that you and your health align properly with actually doing ayahuasca. And that's very rare. I, I haven't heard of that very often with individuals who are facilitating this. So today we're going to learn all about her retreat center and how to integrate ayahuasca and how her particular, again, company operates and just the kind of process of, you know, when you start the ayahuasca process to how long it takes to impact you to integrating and all that juicy stuff. So, and enjoy as always. Welcome back to the Align Your Glow and Soul podcast. Today, I've got Dr. Heather Paulson on the podcast. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. And my first question for all my guests is, how do you align your glow and soul? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. That is such a great question. Um, I align my soul and glow a couple of different ways that include song and include plant medicines and includes really connecting with the earth and with, uh, with other people, souls and ceremony. That's really where I align and glow is in that ceremonial space. Mm, That's so beautiful. And of course, we'll dig into that in just a moment. But the second thing I always ask is for you to kind of walk us through your journey and how you arrived to this present moment. Yeah, so I will try to keep it brief (laughs) and um, cut me off, please. Um, but I arrived in this current moment. So in this current moment, I am sitting in my kitchen in Peru, looking at beautiful mountains out my window. And I live someplace that's really close to Machu Picchu. So that's where people's imagery can go to if they want to vision where I live. And I got into this space. I moved to Peru after practicing medicine for 15 years in the United States. I came here because I was looking for so many things. I was looking for a change. I was looking for um, support. I was looking for 
a way to practice healing and medicine that was in alignment with being more nature-based. Um, and, and so here I am, I met a Peruvian shaman and he introduced me to ayahuasca. And since then my life has never been the same. (laughs) So I dove deep into the medicine of ayahuasca. I got to observe over a thousand people going through ceremony with this particular shaman in the mestizo tradition. And I saw so many different types of healing from physical healing with people who had Lyme disease or MS, cerebral palsy. I saw people heal from traumas that they had addressed in ceremony in, in ceremony once or twice, but in uh, counseling for decades, maybe. Um, I saw people who had no traumas, no physical ailments, but just wanted to get deeper connected to who they are and what lights them up and living a life of purpose and really being able to step onto that path. So once I saw how many things ayahuasca supported people with and how it could be different for each individual, there was just no way for me to turn back and go back to prescribing things that were not moving people's lives and health forward. Wow. That is beautiful. And so exciting at the same time too. What a amazing journey you've gone through. Thank you. So we'll just jump right into it. So with the practice of using ayahuasca and plant-based medicine, how do you integrate that to your ceremonies and individuals that you work with? Yeah. So ayahuasca is a ceremonial process. So we get to guide people through ceremony and it looks pretty similar every time we do ceremony. I studied in the mestizo tradition, which is one of many traditions here in Peru. And the reason why I'm living in Peru is because ayahuasca is legal here. So we don't have to hide anything that we're doing, unlike in the United States where it's not currently legal and most of Europe, um, there's no protections for people doing ayahuasca. Um, So what a ceremony looks like is we start with some protection for the space and for each individual who is coming into ceremony. And then we drink uh, ayahuasca together And it takes about 30 minutes for people to start feeling the effects of ayahuasca. They also call ayahuasca medicine. So if I say the medicine while we're talking, I'm referring to ayahuasca. Um, And then at that around 30 minutes, sometimes earlier, we start seeing ikaros. And ikaros are the songs that have been passed down for centuries and they're songs for the plants and they're calling in the plants, uh, the plant spirits, all of the plants of the jungle to come in for healing. So a lot of times people think that the shaman or the facilitator is just working with the plant ayahuasca, but we're actually singing to 
so many, <laughs> it's like the whole pharmacy of the Amazon jungle. We're singing into a ceremony to come and heal people um, and be used by their souls, by their bodies within the context of the ceremonial space. And we also call in animals of the jungle, um, birds, uh, wolves, otorongos, so jaguars, um, snakes, like all the, all the things, hummingbirds, you know, so it just, we call in what is needed for each person in the ceremony. And um, that goes on for several hours for about three to four hours. And people might drink another cup of ayahuasca um, throughout that ceremony. And then we close with a prayer. We always open with a prayer. We close with a prayer and, uh, and then we get to hear what people's experiences were. Um, sometimes it's pretty visual and they might see a lot of colors, but we really encourage people to move past some of those visual experiences and connect with the messages from ayahuasca. So a lot of people will see, um, visions of their life, either in the future or in the past and relive that. Um, sometimes you'll see a situation that you encountered that you might have wished gone differently and you'll learn some lessons from that, or you'll, um, connect with loved ones that are past that are deceased and then, um, have conversations with them. That happens a lot during ceremony. Uh, there's a lot of things that can happen in the context of those four hours of, of ceremony. And then during ceremony, we also do healings and um, protection uh, uh, rituals during the ceremony. So we blow mapacho and mapacho is a type of tobacco grown in the jungle. And we do that for cleansing and protection. And we do that. I say we do that, but we're doing that we're just vessels. Like we're in collaboration with the spirit of Mapacho. It's not, um, the facilitators or the shaman doing the cleansing or the healing. We really believe that it's the Mapacho and the spirit of Mapacho just embodying our bodies to facilitate that healing process. Uh, we also use the Chacapa leaves, which are these big green leaves. And we um, use those to sing and, and cleanse the body during ceremony. Um, and then we use aqua florida, which is a type of flower water. And that brings in the positive spirits and helps calm down the medicine for people who are having a really strong journey. That's that's pretty much what happens in the context of of the four hours. There's a lot of singing, a lot of connecting with spirit, and a couple of different ways of participating with mapacho, chacapa, and aqua florida for healing. Ooh, I love that. I have not gone on a journey yet, but I am getting there. We'll see when it when it happens. <laughs> I, I know it'll be aligned whenever it occurs. Um so one thing you coach on too is psychedelic assisted healing and integration. So somebody goes to ceremony, they're there for three or four hours. They have all these messages that come up. And then what happens after that? That is such an amazing question of, of what happens next, right? And that is so different for each person. Um, and it's the real, to me, the real magic of ayahuasca is the what happens next. 
So usually what that looks like, um, is listening, you know, sharing what, uh, sharing what has happened in, in ceremony is a big part of integration, but sharing with discernment. So we share within the group of people who have sat together, uh, they get to share and listen to each other's stories, which is always amazing because, you get to hear firsthand how different ayahuasca was for each individual and actually how powerful it was for each person in the room. And so we start with sharing in that way. And then we move to, for people who would like individual support, you know, I reach out to them individually. We text each other. I, I stay on top of how they're doing post-ceremony um, what they're implementing. And, um, and then it, it can also look like when we have certain groups come here, we continue to do video chats, like on zoom, like we're meeting right now and continue to continue the conversation because a lot of the fears that people have about doing plant medicine, especially ayahuasca is that it is going to change everything in their lives or they're going to change their relationships, or maybe it's going to set up some changes that they're not quite ready for. And I would say that would be, a, um, uh, I'm just going to say like the non-positive words, I'm going to say that's, it would be a bad integration process to like go home and blow up your life would be a really jarring integration process. And it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, we recommend that people take at least a month to themselves to process their journey with ayahuasca, to journal, to to continue dreaming because your dreams will continue after your plant medicine experience to continue receiving messages. Don't think that just because you drank, you know, 10 days ago that the messages are super clear from 10 days ago and there's no other messages coming. They will keep coming. Things will keep showing up for you. And so give yourself, your psyche, your soul, the time to expand into what happened in ceremony before making any uh, decisions about your life. Because what can happen is people will think that they got these really clear directives from ayahuasca. And they'll go back and say, okay, and in the next 24 hours, I need to change. Da, 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 da. And that's when your life blows up. Um, and that's okay for some people. They need to overhaul their life in that way, or maybe they need to experience a dark night of the soul. This totally okay. Um, but there's a, a gentler way to move through it, which looks like expanding, just naturally expanding into the new container that you've created within the context of having a relationship with ayahuasca. I love that. Actually, I've not heard that yet. So a month of integration and taking it slow and processing the information, I think, I mean, you could take that with any sort of situation, but especially with, I think, ayahuasca, I love that. And yeah. Thing, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, a lot of times that gives people some peace of mind, right? It's like you might come to address something in a relationship, in your marriage or in the work that you're doing. And maybe you're not seeing fulfillment from the work that you're doing, or you're, you're bumping up against some information in, in a relationship. And so people think that they're going to come here, drink ayahuasca, 
And then they're going to have these like clear cut decisions to go forward. And uh, one thing that plant medicine is not as clear cut, you know, <laughs> um, it is expansive. It is showing you a variety of opportunities and it does open your mind up to possibilities that you have maybe never considered before in your lifetime. And so that is a beautiful piece of plant medicine. But um, if you get stern directives from plant medicine, which sometimes I have from ayahuasca, like, okay, this is your to-do list after the ceremony. Um, one of my teachers says that ayahuasca collaborates with people who have their own thoughts that have their own willpower, that have their own discernment. And so sometimes some of those directives from ayahuasca are not truly what your next step is. It's to test your own level of discernment within yourself, to test your own ability to not just take orders from a plant, but to really tap in and see what is aligned with you, what is going to make you glow. And that is something that I think is often not talked about in the plant medicine community. And a lot of people come here thinking that they are going to give their power over to ayahuasca and that's going to give them the answers and, or they're even going to give their power over to a shaman, which is really dangerous actually. So keeping that sense of discernment and sovereignty within yourself and staying in or learning maybe for the first time, how to tap into that centered space of alignment for yourself is a really important piece of plant medicine. And that, so that's another reason why 30 days is really important because you get to tap in and say, okay, how am I feeling about this particular directive that I got in ceremony? Does it make me anxious? Does it make me calm? Does it make me sad or happy? You know, kind of really tapping into where that centered point is for you. I love that. And something you spoke about was giving away your power. How does one go about connecting with the right facilitator and the right shaman? Because, you know, there are individuals who really should not be practicing, who are not truly educated in the culture or the medicine and, you know, take some sort of online course and go, oh, I'm a shaman. And, and you know, I've talked with both people and, and read about both and a true shaman. I mean, it's their life. It's who they are at an identity level. They're integrated in not only the plant medicine, but the culture of wherever they're delivering the medicine. And so how do you make sure that when you're connecting with somebody to do a ceremony, that it's one, a good fit for you, but two, it's somebody who really understands how to deliver it in a safe, effective way. That's a really tough question for me to answer <laughs> because Safety is so important, right? I come from a medical background. I come from being a doctor who stepped into this plant medicine world. And as doctors, we take a oath to first do no harm. So there are no oaths in the shamanic path. There are no governing bodies. There's no regulatory bodies. There's nobody um, slapping your wrist for doing something that's out of alignment with standard of care. So these are things that apply to 
medicine, right? These are things that apply to doctors. I have a board that stares at me at any time. Any of my patients could complain to that board and share with them something that didn't go well. And I have to answer to that board and say, okay, these are the steps I, yes, that didn't go well, but these are the steps I took during that visit. And this is why it didn't go well. And this is how I tried to rectify what didn't go well. There's none of that in this, um, the psychedelic community at this time. And definitely, um, here in Peru, there's not like a board of shamanic practitioners watching over the Shipibo tribe and the mestizos and the, you know, like there's nobody like that. And there's conversations to start. Um, some of us who are serving medicine, we are starting to talk about like, Hey, let's start talking about best practices. Let's start talking about, you know, governing ourselves and saying like, sharing openly what's going well and what's not going well and asking questions. So knowing that, knowing that you're entering this unregulated space, um, you as a participant take on a lot more responsibility. The responsibility for your safety really is not on the facilitator. And as much as they want to hold you in a safe container, your, the responsibility is on you to create that safe container for yourself. And the reason why I say this is, I mean, I take very seriously creating a safe container for my participants. I am checking your medical history. I actually know drug ayahuasca interactions where most people don't. And so they might say, oh, just stop all of your medicines 48 hours prior to, which could be unsafe for you or stop all of your medicines two weeks before, because they don't actually know how your medication interacts with the plant medicines. Um, so that can be dangerous. So you have to decide if you want to work with somebody who doesn't completely know how your medications interact with ayahuasca. Um, you have to decide to also to take ownership of your own body because there can be violations in personal space in these plant medicine communities. But again, we can't always control the person who's serving medicine, or sometimes it's the people helping them, or it might be another participant. So as a facilitator, we try to control for as many variables as possible, but also people are in medicine and when they're in the medicine, uh, shadows come up, their shadows come up. And so we try to give power back to our participants and say, listen, you have free will. You have a strong will. If you didn't have a strong will, you wouldn't be here right now. And ayahuasca requires you to have a strong sense of self and a strong will in order to participate with her. And that strong sense of self and strong will also applies to this environment. So that means that you have the right to discern how much medicine you're going to drink. That's a really important piece of safety in our ceremonies. We don't say drink three cups and drink three full cups. We Say, if you are ready for more medicine, come up to the altar. And it's up to you to decide if you're going to drink more or not. So somebody who forces you to do more medicine when you're not ready, that would be a red flag. Um, people who 
allow touching and a lot of commotion during ceremony, that to me would be a ceremony I would be uncomfortable in. So that would be a red flag. We're really clear that like you stay on your mat, you stay in your place. We're not interacting with each other. This is an inner journey for you. And we're not engaging with our neighbors. We're not engaging with anybody else. This is for you. Even if you're coming as a couple and you, or a best friend, like we separate you as much as possible Mm -hmm. uh, so that you're not tempted to interact with each other. And usually that interaction is to be supportive and helpful, but um, your interaction could pull somebody out of their journey. So these are some of the things that are really important. And I think it's also important to know that when you are on the medicine, so just to empower anyone who's entering these spaces, when you're on the medicine, there's a term that we use in psychotherapy called transference and countertransference. And that means that transference in um, kind of normal language talk is like when we say, oh, that person's a mirror for you, they're mirroring something to you. And you feel that way because they're mirroring this part of you or that part of you. And that happens to facilitators and other participants in a circle who are taking plant medicine together. So what I would get a lot when I was traveling with this shaman, I would have multiple women text me and say, oh my gosh, I saw in ceremony that I was supposed to have a baby with the assistant so-and-so. And And I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Okay. Let's unpack this a little bit, you know, like, because you are in this heart space and you're shown, um, pieces of yourself at this expansion of your heart. And that doesn't mean you're actually supposed to, um, have a baby with somebody who is serving medicine or supporting the the service of medicine that usually is some type of transference. That person is being some type of mirror for you about your heart expansion. It's not about them. So if you're in a medicine space and you feel this heart expansion and you think you've suddenly have fallen in love with somebody that you've never met before, and you want to pursue that relationship again, this is like 30 days is so important give yourself a minimum. I, I would say for exploring relationships, uh, 90 days would be safer because the medicine is heart expanding and you'll see the beautiful parts of people. And you might miss some of the shadow sides of people while you're in the medicine. Uh, the, the reverse could be true. You could also just see shadows of people mm-hmm. and really have a, a strong reaction in that way. But this, when we're talking about safety and creating your own safety within the ceremonial context, where there are so many different types of practitioners out there to be safe, uh, take time to make decisions. Don't allow people to cross your physical boundaries. Don't cross your own physical boundaries and uh, stay in safe spaces where they understand drug interactions and stay in safe spaces where they allow you to be in your own container and allow you to be uh, held in a safe way throughout the ceremonial process. Love that. Uh, a couple of things I have not heard before, which I appreciate with your background, is just that drug interaction. I don't think a lot of people talk about that at all. And like you said, the people that I've spoken with, you know, they say the same thing. Okay, don't take any meds, X amount of time, just to eliminate any possible interaction. But 
if you're on a medication for decades, it's really not safe for you to just stop taking it just because you're going to go into a ceremony. So I love that. That definitely, I think allows people to have even a better, uh, and more safe experience with somebody of your background and education. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I've seen and have participated in ceremonies where we bring people here for dieta and we say, uh, the shaman wasn't, didn't feel secure in allowing people to stay on some of their medications and didn't want to take responsibility for what would happen. Mm -hmm. And so the blanket statement was to stop all of your medicines. And I don't believe based on the drug herb interactions that it's necessary to stop thyroid medicine. I think that can be dangerous for people. So then people would be off of their thyroid medicine for a month and go into kind of a thyroid crisis if they've been on high doses of thyroid for long periods of time. Um, Not everybody, but some people. And there's also some uh, concerns about blood pressure with plant medicines, with many different plant medicines, including ayahuasca. And um, so we had a, a client here recently that felt comfortable with us continuing to monitor his blood pressure, but his blood pressure was too high to sit without taking his blood pressure medicine. And part of that had to do with his blood pressure was fine in the United States, but we're at a higher elevation here and his body was responding to that high elevation. And so as a clinician, as a doctor, I felt that it was safer for him to continue taking his blood pressure and we would monitor for any blood pressure drops during ceremony. So, um, I could, I could visually monitor him during ceremony and we would take his blood pressure right after ceremony just to see where he was at. And, uh, that is a very atypical, that's not a typical experience in this plant medicine world. There are a couple of centers that do provide this kind of medical monitoring, but it's very rare. Is there anybody that you would say should not do plant medicine or should not do ayahuasca? I would say in this moment in time, we advise people who have Um, or who are on active mood altering medicines to not do ayahuasca. So there are dangerous interactions with serotonin uh, SSRIs. So uh, the serotonin uptake inhibitors, which are a lot of the antidepressives that we use in the United States and Europe are SSRIs. And so those are contraindicated because it can create a big surge of serotonin in your whole body. And you can get something called serotonin syndrome, which can be really dangerous. Um, so that is why that's a clear contraindication is that particular medicine. And then a lot of the other medicines that are clearly contraindicated are a spin off of that kind of same serotonin syndrome that's possible. Mm. So th- that would be a, a clear contraindication. We currently like within the container of Western medicine and Western psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, we currently suggest that people who have experienced psychosis or bipolar disorder Uh, and certain mood disorders that they don't take part in plant medicine. My assumption is that in 10 years from now, we might have some better guidelines around that. And we might have some more 
opportunities because we are starting to see some some researchers exploring psychosis and the use of psychedelics. So whether that's um, LSD or MDMA or some of these plant medicines like psilocybin, they're starting to see where that gray area is with, with people who've had psychotic episodes in the past. And, and there might be an opportunity to heal psychosis and bipolar disorder with plant medicine, but we don't know where that line is, like, where is it safe? And where does it put you in at risk of having another psychotic episode? So that's being defined better in some newer research studies. Okay. Very interesting. Didn't know that either. I love that. And speaking of psilocybin, what is your, do you use that in any of your integration or do you have any um, insights on, you know, who's it for, who's it not for, what are the benefits? My plant medicine that I work with is ayahuasca. So that is my relationship. And I think it's really important that the person that you work with and entering in these plant medicine realms has a strong relationship with the plant that they're prescribing or what that they're dosing you with, or they're sharing with you. Um, So I have a deep relationship with ayahuasca. I go into the jungle and sit with ayahuasca. I learn songs and ikaros from the plants in the jungle. I sit with ayahuasca on almost weekly or more often basis in ceremony with other people. So I'm cultivating that relationship and trying to make it as strong and as deep as I possibly can. So that is like my one true love. I am married to ayahuasca. I'm not dating other people. Um, So I don't have that relationship with psilocybin. I've experienced psilocybin one time. I just to have that experience. Um, But I think that what I observe in the research studies around psilocybin and what I see with the microdosing movement of psilocybin too, is that there's a lot of opportunity and potential for healing with psilocybin, but I just encourage you to connect with somebody who has like fungus growing out of them. <laughs> like that. That's, that is their thing. If you look at me, you'll see vines coming out of my fingertips. I feel like sometimes you can see the ayahuasca vine um, permeating my soul. So uh, connect with somebody like that when it comes to psilocybin. I love that. I think that is interesting because you're right. There are, you know, everybody has their passion and those who love psilocybin, they're all about the fungi, right. And the relationship and the earth. And like, it's so interesting how each individual communicates based on their love if they're, you know, into plant medicine. So very good advice on that. (laughs) So one thing you mentioned earlier about ayahuasca, but something that you talk about as well is the uh, integration of vibration and music and how um, it impacts our overall frequency. Can you touch upon that a little bit? Yeah. One of the things that becomes really clear in an ayahuasca experience is, and I think on other plant medicines too, you can feel this to an extent on Wachuma, um, which is San Pedro, a mescaline based cactus. And you might also feel this on psilocybin and you can even feel this on uh, other psychedelics that are chemical based like MDMA, uh, that your consciousness expands to a place where 
you feel more, you see more, your, your sense of hearing is heightened, your sense of um, touch is heightened, like everything is expanded, magnified, if you will. And in that state, you can really connect with how important vibration is. And a lot of times we are bombarded by vibration. If you're living in the United States, you are bombarded by vibration all day, all day long, whether that's from your TV or the freeway or the, um, yeah, your, your neighbor's car going by, um, whatever it might be, you're bombarded by vibration all the time. I mean, our Wi-Fi networks, et cetera, like there's, there's so many vibrations around us and in ceremony, we intentionally use vibration to bring things to the surface or to move things out of the body, uh, to move things out of that spiritual space or to call things into a spiritual space. So we use the vibration of a rattle and, a, and Chikapa leaves mostly during Ikaros to, uh, to affect the room, to affect each individual differently. And that vibration, you will feel it. You feel it in your body. You feel it moving through you. You might even see it. A lot of people see the patterns that go with certain songs or go with um, certain instruments. They can start seeing the fractal patterns or the almost like sacred geometry that goes with each uh, note that goes that with each song. So cool. Yeah. It's really great. And sometimes I can see in when I'm, um, drinking ayahuasca, cause we drink with all of our participants, I can see the vibrations coming off of people. So I can see the patterns coming off of people and where those patterns might need, uh, some attention and where those patterns um, might be leading the person to in their visions. So it's um, a lot of people who see these vibrations during ceremony, they'll go back and they'll see sacred geometry for the first time and say, oh my gosh, that's what I saw in ceremony. Or maybe they already know what sacred geometry is. And they're like, oh, I saw this pattern and that pattern, which is what I've seen in sacred geometry. And I'm looking around, but um, cause I'm because one of the things we have some um, stitches, some stitching, some embroidery from the Shipibo tribes. One of our good friends, Rosita is Shipibo and shares her art with us and with our participants. And the Shipibos, they embroider these patterns into cloth. And we wear this cloth during ceremony because they're um, each Ikaro, each plant medicine song has a different pattern in the Shipibo tradition. And so they embroider the Ikaros into your clothing for protection or onto altar cloths or onto, we have some, a big um, cloth that represents ayahuasca um, hanging in our ceremony room. And so they, Shipibos, it's really important that they see these patterns and then they transcribe what they see, these vibrations onto physical uh, physical embroidery that is then used to carry the medicine with you throughout your process during ceremony and then even for the months and years after ceremony. So that's how important 
vibration is, is that it's seen as a piece of the healing puzzle. And it's seen as something that you can not just feel, but you could actually see and experience the vibration. And through that process, it helps bring your body into alignment. Wow. I've never heard that either. That is so (laughs) fascinating. I love that. And do you think that with the music and the culture and the tribe, it just aligns and helps with the state of vibration during ceremony? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that you, I have done ayahuasca ceremonies in silence when, um, it's just me and my partner, Nico drinking together. We will do most of the ceremony in silence so that we can just hear the medicine and not hear other expressions. Um, but when we're doing it with a group and we're, um, here to support ayahuasca, it helps all the participants to hear the vibration that we experience with the plants and to help facilitate their relationship with that vibration. So the music is absolutely critical. And we say in Western, we say the music, but what it really is, is Icaros. What it really is, is a prayer. We're not singing songs. We're not um, putting on a musical performance for your pleasure, for your enjoyment. We're actually singing prayers to the plants, to the animals, to the spirits. And we're singing prayers to you as a participant. We're singing prayers to your body, to your soul, to what you might need for coming into alignment and into a space of healing for yourself. Mm, Oh my goodness. I love it. This sounds like a beautiful space. (laughs) And how often are you, um, offering these, um, ceremonies and if somebody were interested in connecting with you, you know, how they go about maybe going to Peru and in visiting you. Yeah, we offer ceremonies at least once a week, just on a regular basis to keep our space open for people who are traveling through the sacred Valley of Peru, who maybe didn't think that they were going to do plant medicine and then heard the call once they entered Peru. And then for people who are coming to Peru to experience plant medicine, what I really like to do is hop on a video chat, get to know what your intentions are, what you're carrying with you, what you hope to let go of through plant medicine ceremony through ayahuasca and get to know a little bit of your medical history. And then we design something for you. So, um, like for example, we had a woman join us recently from the U S that wanted to heal her traumatic brain injury. And because of the nature of her injury and some of the side effects of her injury, I thought it was really important for us to go slow with her. So she stayed here for a month and we did a ceremony once a week. And then we slowly kind of picked it up to doing a couple of ceremonies per week by the time she left. So that is just one example. And then I also have people who are here, uh, who are in a life transition and they're just looking to see what they can learn about this life transition or what their next step should look like. And for them, we might do three ceremonies in a row back to back, and then they go on with the rest of their trip in Peru. So I really 
honor that everybody is on their own journey and seeking different things. And um, that's one of the things I love about Humpley House, which is the retreat house that I have, is that we have that capacity to be flexible and support the individual. So people can stay at the retreat house while they're visiting Peru. Exactly. Yep. You can stay here. We're um, a really quiet area (laughs) of Peru, but we're only about 20 minutes from the center of Urubamba where you can get a really nice espresso in the coffee shop and um, you can enjoy the mercado and get some fresh vegetables and and fruit from the jungle. And um, it's a really beautiful, beautiful space in Peru. Oh my gosh. I love that. And so somebody comes and they stay there and are there just because I've never been to Peru. So feel free to paint a picture for me and the audience. Are there other um, adventures, you know, can people go for hikes or go on tours? You know, what else is there in that area? Yeah. So we are in the heart of the sacred Valley. So that means that we are really close to Machu Picchu. So a lot of our guests um, take a day trip to Machu Picchu and then stay the night here. Uh, it's a, We're all, less than 30 minutes. We're about 20 minutes from where you board the train to get to Machu Picchu. And it's a beautiful train ride into Aguas Calientes. So um, that is a very common reason why people come to the Sacred Valley is to experience Machu Picchu. But outside of that sacred site, there are many sacred sites around us that you can access for free. We love taking people to Napa Iglesia, which is one of uh, the old temples, we think. I don't know. I think we make a lot of stories up about what these sites were (laughs) in the past, but and who knows which of our stories are true and not true and from an anthropological perspective perspective. Um, but it's a really beautiful site and there's a, a ruin that you can walk to. That's just about a 20 minute hike from our house here. And so there's just so many different sacred sites around here, but tourists also love to look at Maras and Morai. Morai is the circles that you see, um, in Peru, these like green circles and, uh, the anthropologists, suspect that it was used to test something about agriculture, which does not feel accurate to me when I stand in that space and hear the echoes. It feels very much like some sort of amphitheater, but um, there's uh, lots of stories, as I say. And then Maris is a uh, salt mine that is pre-Incan, where the salt comes naturally from the water. And these salt mines, um, these salt pools have uh, been here in Peru for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And um, it's a really cool way to see how salt is produced here and used in Peru. It's really beautiful. Oh my gosh. So so we wanted to go, how much time do they really need to spend to see all these beautiful things? I would say a minimum of seven days is um, recommended. And so we do seven day retreats where we might do ayahuasca three nights of those seven days. And then on the days off and some of the integration happens by getting out in nature and seeing 
um, Mariah and sitting in that space and listening to us play a flute or something. So we uh, incorporate the integration into some of these beautiful spaces of Peru. Oh my gosh. I love it. Love it so much. And where is, I'll have all your links in the show notes, but where's the best current platform to find you and where do you love to show up the most? Yeah. So I love interacting on Instagram. Currently Humpley house is where you can find out about our space and Dr. Heather Paulson is where you can connect specifically with me. And Humpley is a weird word. I know it's spelled H A M P U Y, but we chose Humpley house. uh, It's Quechua. So we work here with the local people who are of Caro, uh, part of the Caro tribe or Caro um, lineage. And the Caros are also pre-Incan. So they hold many, many traditions here in the Andes Mountains, including um, offering despachos, which is something that we help organize for our guests here. They do many healing rituals. And uh, the Caro tribe speaks Quechua still. So Quechua is an ancient language that is pre-Spanish and pre-Spanish before the Spanish invaded into South America. And the Quechua they think is a blend between different um, languages that were happening in the Andes mountains. So Bolivia, Ecuador, Argentina, Peru, and um, they use Quechua to speak with each other and still hide what they were saying to the Spanish speakers. So uh, there's still people here who grow up speaking Quechua and don't even speak Spanish um, up in the high mountains. So humpwe is a Quechua word and it means to come and they use it in ceremony to invoke divine beings. But we also use it for you to be invited here to the space to come enjoy the magic of Peru. Oh my goodness. I love it. That is beautiful. Well, Heather, thank you so much for sharing all your beautiful knowledge and really, I think, painting a beautiful picture on what is ceremony, what can it entail and the journey that an individual can invoke if they're open to this beautiful medicine. So I really, really appreciate the conversation and the beautiful energy exchange. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that if you're listening to this episode, that this gives you a sense of empowerment and inspiration to interact with and learn from the plant medicine that calls you. Absolutely. And as always, if you are listening and you enjoy this episode, you know, take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram. That way we can continue to cause that ripple effect and hopefully inspire somebody to either take a journey or potentially reach out to Heather and go on this journey. So thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I'd love to connect with you. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram to be entered in to $50 Amazon gift card. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and don't forget to glow like you're meant to. Have a fabulous week.